WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The U.S. Attorney's Office has announced a federal indictment of a Niles man on gun charges. U.S. Attorney Mark Totten spoke in Niles this morning alongside Berrien County Sheriff Paul Bailey and Niles Department of Public Safety Director Mike Dawson. He said 19-year-old Lawrence Edwards Slaughter is charged with one count of being a felon in possession of a firearm and one count of possession of a machine gun. Totten said Slaughter used a conversion device to turn a Glock handgun into an automatic. When I started a little over a year ago, few, if any, of the leaders of our law enforcement departments here in the Western District of Michigan had ever seen one of these devices. We now see them all the time. Niles Department of Public Safety Director Mike Dawson said the charges against slaughter come as Niles has dealt with an increase in violent crime recently. In 2022, the city of Niles experienced a major increase in gun violence. We had four separate incidences of shootings, which were homicides, which resulted in the death of five people. A federal grand jury handed down the indictment after an investigation by the Niles Police Department, Michigan State Police and the FBI in St. Joseph. The charge of being a felon in possession of a firearm carries a maximum sentence of 15 years, while the charge of possession of a machine gun carries up to 10 years. September is Emergency Preparedness Month, and the Berrien County Health Department is urging everyone to take steps to ensure they're ready when disaster strikes. Department Emergency Preparedness Coordinator Jeff Thornton tells us, preparing now can pay big dividends when an event occurs that leaves little time for preparing. For example, he points to flooding in Niles a few years ago. That's a situation where you'd potentially have to leave your home because it could impact your home itself. So think about the things that you'd have to take away from the home, medications, things like that, things that you may not have access to once you relocate to a shelter. Thornton says there are places to get tips. Use your resources. The resources we have in the community, the Bering County website, we have the Sheriff's Office Emergency Management Division that helps with programs on their end. The Bering County Health Department, we do have our emergency preparedness page. Thornton says everyone should have a family emergency plan that includes evacuation routes, meeting points, and contact information. He advises families have a communication strategy so everyone can reach each other. He says each household should have an emergency kit with things like water, food, batteries, and medication in case of a need to evacuate. Also make sure to evaluate your home to make sure it has proper smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. The Michigan Department of Transportation is planning a pavement condition study on eastbound I-94 between Pawpaw and Matawan next Tuesday, and it's going to affect traffic. MDOT says while its staff are out, drivers should expect lane closures and a traffic shift. Eastbound 94 will be reduced to one lane during the work. Michigan State Police will be present for work zone enforcement and to help control traffic. Delays are expected, and drivers should seek an alternate route. That's eastbound 94 between Matawan and Pawpaw next Tuesday from about 6 a.m. to about 3 p.m. Speaking of MDOT, the Michigan Department of Transportation is planning an open house on a construction project planned in Niles next week. MDOT says it's going to rebuild the U.S. 12 to M51 interchange starting in September. The $30 million project will rebuild U.S. 12 from west of 3rd Street to east of M51 and repave M51 from Chestnut Lane to Main Street. It will also involve sidewalk and drainage improvements. The open house for the public to learn more from MDOT engineers will be next Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. at Southwestern Michigan College in Niles. Anyone who has questions or who wants to make a comment will be able to do so. The public can also submit comments online. We'll have a link to that page at our website. The project will wrap up in November of next year. 
Comments made by President Joe Biden about the potential for an auto workers strike are getting some pushback from UAW President Sean Fain. During an appearance in Philadelphia on Labor Day, Biden said he does not think a strike is going to happen. When asked about the president's comments at the end of the UAW's march in Detroit, Fain said he was shocked by that reaction. And I want to be clear about this. That's not our intent. Our intent is not to strike. Our intent is to get a fair agreement. And um, that's been our intent from day one. But, uh, you know, as we get down to the wire here, there's three companies to bargain with and there's 10 days left to do it. So uh, I, I know what it looks like to me. Fain also said President Biden must know something the UAW doesn't. The union's contract with the Big Three expires September 14th. Michigan State Police are investigating the death of a two-year-old boy in Cass County's Porter Township on Friday. Troopers from the Niles Post were called to a home in the 13,000 block of Carter Lake Road about 3.30 p.m. on a report of a small child struck by a trailer. They arrived to find the boy unresponsive. Life-saving measures were attempted but were not successful, and the child was pronounced deceased at the scene. The investigation found a 57-year-old male family member was preparing to move a utility trailer with a pickup across the property. The police believe the child may have wandered between the space, between the truck and the trailer, just before it was moved. No further information has been released. And hundreds of motorcyclists from all over southwest Michigan will take part in the 22nd annual Ride to Remember this Sunday. Ron Gunn with the Berrien County Riders tells us the group started the event after 9-11 to raise money for the Red Cross. It's gone on strong each year ever since. Gunn says it's not just motorcyclists who get involved, though. And the biggest thing is we're led through each town from, with fire trucks and or ambulances even, and it's quite the procession. Each time we go through a town, the fire trucks will jump off, and another, the next town, fire truck trucks and or police officers jump into the line up in front. They do the ride each year, rain or shine. Gunn says it'll start at the Berrien County Courthouse Sunday with registration at 10 a.m. and the departure at noon. From there, the ride will head to Dwajak and then back, ending at the Donk. All proceeds go to the Southwest Michigan Red Cross chapter, and it's $15 to take part. Any motorcyclists who want to take part can just head to the county courthouse on Sunday morning. WSJM News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. Ex-White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows has pleaded not guilty in the racketeering charge against him in Georgia. He joins more than a dozen other defendants, including his former boss, Donald Trump, entering their plea ahead of a judge's deadline. ABC's Olivia Rubin says all but one defendant has entered a plea, which means they don't have to appear in person. But Meadows is waiting on a ruling on whether he can move his case from state court to federal court. Uh, Rubin says defendants are filing similar motions and also says some defendants want a speedy trial while others don't. Big picture, we have defendants that are doing things all over the map. And quite frankly, a lot of it conflicts with each other. So what we will be looking to see is some sort of first hearing from the judge and really getting an indication on how the judge is going to handle this because a ruling on any one of these defendants, any one motion to go to federal court or to sever the case could be indicative and really, really change up how this case is going to move forward and how it's going to be tried. Congress is returning to Capitol Hill to try to avoid a government shutdown while House Republicans consider whether to pursue an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Senators will return tomorrow. Lawmakers will consider a short-term funding measure to keep the government offices fully functioning and provide emergency funding for Ukraine and federal disaster funds. A Republican-driven probe into Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings is also on the agenda. 
Time is running short for Congress to act on the budget as well. The House is scheduled to meet for just 11 days before the government's fiscal year ends on September 30th. Deal-making will play out as Republican Senator Mitch McConnell and Representative Steve Scalise tackle health issues. First Lady Jill Biden is recovering from COVID-19. The White House says the president tested negative uh, today and is moving forward with the schedule. ABC's Karen Travers has the latest. The White House says President Biden again tested negative for COVID and is experiencing no symptoms. This is his second test in two days. First Lady Jill Biden tested positive on Monday. Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre says the president will be masking while indoors and around people following CDC guidance for close contacts. Jean-Pierre said the president would remove his mask when he's sufficiently distanced from others indoors and while outside. The CDC guidelines recommend a combination of masking, testing and monitoring for symptoms. The president is doing all of that in in close consultation with his physician. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. The U.S. Capitol physician says 81-year-old Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell's health episodes show no evidence of it being a stroke or seizure disorder. McConnell's office released the information today as the Senate returned from a summer break. Questions have mounted over the long-serving Republican leader's health. McConnell froze up last week during a press conference in Kentucky, unable to respond to a question. It was the second such episode in a matter of weeks. The situation has fueled concern among Republican senators and intense speculation about McConnell's ability to remain leader. The long-serving senator fell and hit his head at a dinner in Washington earlier this year, suffering a concussion. Federal judges said today the new congressional lines will have to be drawn for Alabama after Republican lawmakers did not create a second district where black voters came close to comprising a majority. ABC's Brittany Shepard has more. Republicans in Alabama's legislature handed a major loss. A three-judge federal court struck down the state's GOP-drawn congressional map. The judges say Republicans' plan didn't create a majority black congressional district in the state, and in that, didn't comply with the Voting Rights Act. Now, court-appointed experts take up their pencils and have to draw a new map for the 2024 elections, which must include two districts where African-American voters have a realistic opportunity of electing their preferred candidate. Brittany Shepard, ABC News, Washington. The end of Labor Day would typically mark the start of a furious sprint to the Iowa caucuses as candidates battle for their party's presidential nomination. But as the 2024 campaign comes into greater focus, the usual frenzy is yielding to a sense of inevitability. Donald Trump dominates the Republican primary. Trump's strength comes despite, or perhaps because, multiple criminal indictments threatening to overshadow any serious debate about the future of the country. Meanwhile, President Joe Biden is on a glide path to victory on the Democratic side. The 80-year-old incumbent faces token opposition for the Democratic nomination. Whether voters like it or not, a Trump-Biden rematch is likely on the horizon. Those who did not leave on Monday when roads reopened after a weekend of mud are now leaving the annual Burning Man Festival in the Nevada desert. It ended on Monday night. ABC's Alex Stone is more. As dramatic as it sounded, the Burning Man attendees had to shelter in place. Some at Burning Man say it wasn't that bad. They hadn't planned on leaving until Burning Man was over today anyway. Robert Hargreaves says Burning Man is all about self-reliance, and that's what they always do out in the desert, and the rain brought them together. To combine food, and we made meals together, and and, uh, a lot more than we probably would have if the weather had been perfect. They even had a bar open serving drinks with music playing. Alex Stone, EBC News. A U.S. official says North Korean leader Kim Jong-un may travel to Russia to meet President Vladimir Putin. That's a trip that would bring the two isolated leaders closer together. U.S. officials also said uh, Russia is trying to buy ammunition from North Korea for its war in Ukraine. 
In return, experts say North Korea will probably ask for food, energy shipments, and transfers of sophisticated weapons technologies. A meeting with Putin would be Kim's first summit with a foreign leader since North Korea closed its borders in January of 2020. According to U.S. officials, the Russian defense minister traveled to Pyongyang in July and asked Kim to send more ammunition to Russia. And it's been a strong summer at the box office this year, despite strikes. More from Jason Nathanson. It was a $4 billion Barbie summer. But it's Barbie and Ken. And Oppenheimer and Spider-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy and others all helped propel the box office past $4 billion in North America, not far from 2019's $4.3 billion summer. It's the best year since the start of the pandemic and more than $600 million higher than last summer, which had the blockbuster Top Gun Maverick. Year to date, 2023, far ahead of 2022, but still way behind 2019 by over a billion dollars. And the rest of the year could face some uncertainty if the strikes continue. Jason Athenson, ABC News. Hollywood.